0: In the spirit of July 4th, we're talking about freedom, liberty, independence. And I believe that the most toxic baggage we drag around inside us across all our lives is the very thing Pastor Brad was talking about, unforgiveness. I believe, personal opinion, I believe that probably more people are going to go to hell. And that's not a phrase you hear in church much often anymore. Go, going to hell or go to hell or hell the word in terms of a literal place you just don't hear about hell much everybody's too busy telling us about all the good stuff and the promises but I'm here to tell you there is a hell and I don't want to go there Reverend E.V. Hill, e. Hill years ago he, he was a revered black minister and he had a way of talking that would just captivate you like this and he said you know there are many reasons why I'm glad I'm saved He said, but one of the most important reasons is I don't want to go to hell. He opened his eyes real big. He said, if you go to hell, you're there. There's no weekend pass. There's no 30-day furlough. There's no get-out-of-hell free card. You wind up in hell, you're there. And I thought, man, I'll tell you what, don't hear that much more. I don't think I've heard anybody say those words since he was here. But I think more people are going to go to hell over unforgiveness than any other thing. And I can prove it to you. Our Father, we charge in kingdom come O oh, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven and give us this day our daily bread Amen. And the song stops there. But the Bible doesn't. It says, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your Father will forgive you your sin. But if yeah. you don't forgive men when they sin against you, you go into hell. <laughs> That's what it says. Look it up and read it for yourself. It's in the Bible in black and white. Emphasis added. I no, that was not a serious attempt to sing. I can't actually sing when I want to. Let me read you a story out of the Bible, a great story of a grudge and a great story of forgiveness. It's found in the book of Genesis, chapter 21. He, too, prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father, Esau. Then he said to him, my father, please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. His father Isaac asked him, who are you? I'm your son, he answered, your firstborn, Esau. Isaac trembled violently and said, who wasn't then? Who was it that hunted game and brought it to me before? I ate it just before you came, and I blessed him, and indeed he will be blessed. When Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me, me too, my father. But he said, your brother came deceitfully. And took your blessing. Esau said, isn't he rightly named Jacob? Jacob means deceiver. This is the second time he has taken advantage of me. He took my birthright and now he has taken my blessing. Then he asked, haven't you reserved any blessing for me? Isaac answered Esau, I have made him lord over you. And have made all his relatives his servants. I've sustained him with grain and new wine. So what can I possibly do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, Do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. Bless me too. Then Esau wept aloud. Let's skip down to verse 31. Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. He said to himself, now this is is the important thing. He said to himself, Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinks within himself, so he is. I am telling you that's one of the most powerful principles the Bible teaches us is that as we think about ourselves, we are. I talk about this a lot because I've seen it over almost 40 years of ministry happen over and over and over and over and over again. It all begins with the thought process. Ted Bundy didn't just wake up on a Thursday morning and after, after no previous thoughts of, of the matter and just decide, wow, I've never even thought about killing somebody. I think today I'll go take a piece of oak and I'll go kill eight women and beat them to death with it. He didn't do that. It happened over time. It started with a thought, with a, with a seed, with a trickle. And then over time, over time, listen to me, over time is what happened in his mind. The same thing happened here. Time went by. Esau held a grudge. Because he said to himself that when the days of mourning for my father are near, then I will kill my brother Jacob. Wow. We all engage in self-talk. We all talk to ourselves internally. Those just may be the most influential things that happen to us. Ourselves. Inside our head. So Jacob basically lived his entire life for the next few years in terrible fear of his brother Esau because Esau was an outdoorsman. Esau was a a brute of a man. He was a hunter. He was an outdoorsman. He was an avid, skilled killer of wild animals. It would have been no problem for Esau to take Jacob out. Jacob knew it and Esau knew it. So the years go by and then Jacob finds out from his scouts on a journey, your brother Esau has found you And he is on his way with 400 men. Well, this strikes fear in Jacob's heart. He puts his family and children in a safe place, and he decides, I'm going to take myself and some offerings, and I'm going to go meet my brother, and just going to meet my fate. And we pick up the story in Genesis 33, verse 1. Jacob looked up, and there was Esau coming with his 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two female servants. He put the female servants and their children in front, Leah and her children next, Rachel and Joseph in the rear. He himself went on ahead and bowed down to the ground seven times as he approached his brother. But Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him. He threw his arms around his neck, and he kissed him, and they wept. Wow. I didn't take ten minutes to build up the the climax of this, because I want to get into some other things, but what a powerful story of hurt, bitterness, anger, holding a grudge, unforgiveness, and then the beauty of restoration, the beauty of forgiveness. I want to look at this today, I want to share with you some things, and the first is that God is the greatest example of forgiveness because he forgave us. God is the greatest example of forgiveness in the whole world. He sent his son to redeem us and we tortured him to death. And the the powerful thing about it is that God is omniscient. He knows everything. God knew what we were going to do to his son before he ever sent him to us. And he sent him anyway. Don't raise your hand or jump up and down or write a Facebook post, but if you knew the last Two or three years of your life were going to turn out the way they had, would you have made the same decisions that you did? Some say yes, some say no. But we can't go back, can we? We can't reverse engineer life. This is a live, one-shot deal. Always moving forward. We don't get to edit this. We don't get mulligans. We don't get do-overs. There's no second chances. There's no cut. We'll take. We'll do a retake on that one. There, there's none of that. This is a live video called life, and we don't get second chances. So the power of this is that God is the greatest example of forgiveness because he forgave us, and he left us a verse in the Bible that talks about this and directly relates it to us. It's in Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. It says, Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. How did, how did the Lord forgive us? When we were guilty. You got to forgive the people in your life that were actually guilty of wronging you. Their guilt does not lessen our imperative to forgive. I want to say that again. Those who have hurt us, their guilt does not lessen our imperative to forgive them. We have to forgive people. You have to forgive people that are no longer in your life. You have to listen to this. You have to forgive people that are dead and gone. Why? They're not around to hear it. It's not about them at all. It's about you and me. You've got to walk up to their grave and look at that headstone, and you've got to find a way to forgive them. And if you're in here today and you're thinking right now, uh-uh, there's no way. That's never going to happen. Then, my friend, you have a serious problem, and that problem is so serious it could keep you out of heaven. But I stand here today with good news to tell you, we sang a song earlier and the, the writer got happy with the break every chain, break every chain, break every chain thing. But I want to tell you something, the blood of Jesus can break every chain. That's right. And he can break that chain too. I don't care how deep it is. I don't care how bad the wound was. I don't care how intimate or personal, I don't care how many times it happened, I don't care who did it, I don't care how much you trusted them and loved them before, I don't care how young and vulnerable you were, a wound, a wound, a wound, a wound, God can heal them, everyone. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. The next point I want to share with you today is that unforgiveness actually empowers those who have hurt us to continue to do so. You ever thought about that? Hurt me once, shame on you. Hurt me for the next 15 years, shame on me. Let's take for example somebody that, you know, you grew up and, and you're, you're, let's say your mean, mean old father, mean old daddy. He was always telling you, you stupid idiot, you stupid numbskull, you're so stupid, so you're, 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 you go all your life and you start thinking, my daddy told me I was stupid. I must really be stupid. So we start hearing that everywhere we go. You know, we, we walk into the restaurant. The waitress comes to the table. She says, hi, how are y'all today? Can I, can I get you some, uh, something to drink? An appetizer maybe? What you hear is, you got a pimple on your nose. Your hair looks crazy. Your, your freckles have popped out, and you're stupid. That's what we hear. We go to the nail salon. We don't hear, ah, oh, you look like a motto. Get a lot of boyfriend. We hear, ah, oh, you stupid American. We go to Australia. We hear, good day, Mike. You're a stupid idiot, you know. My kangaroo's got more brains than you, all right? That's what we hear. Everything we we look at, everything we perceive, we interpret it as we're stupid. The the older you get, the stupider you feel if you're not careful. Because you start forgetting stuff. (laughs) Donna's laughing over there because I forgot part of my pocket litter, my everyday carry stuff that I had to drive all the way back home. From the time I brought her here before church and and get it, I forgot it. But, you know, we also carry more stuff than we used to. I mean, I was a boy. I didn't carry anything in my pocket except a rock and a frog, maybe. When I got a little older, my daddy said, All right, son, there's some things a man needs to carry in his pockets. I said, Yes, sir. Because I didn't want him to say, You stupid idiot. I said, Yes, sir. He said, Every man has his wallet, a pocket knife, a handkerchief, and a comb, and his keys. Those five things you always have. You always have wallet, keys, comb, handkerchief, pocket knife. I still carry wallet, keys, and pocket knife. <laughs> I still carry those. In addition to those, I carry a ferrocerium rod, a ferrocerium rod. I carry a ferrocerium rod, a lighter, a multi-tool, an iPhone, an iPad, cordage, glasses, a Glock, an extra mag. I got twelve pounds of stuff in my pocket. If I fall in the water, y'all gonna have to dredge me out. <laughs> if an alligator swallows me, he's gonna choke to death on the glock. <laughs> if he bites my pow, 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 the gator shoot me out of his mouth. This is a true statement. Unforgiveness actually empowers those who have hurt us to continue to do so. You know, video is a wonderful thing. And I do videos. I've done a lot of television. Pastor Don and I have done a lot of television, and we've done a lot of videos, uh, not as much as we did television, but on YouTube, and I have a YouTube channel called Away From It All TV. I'm going to be getting back on there in the near future. So if you want to learn about survival and bushcraft, I'm going to be doing a lot of that, hunting and fishing, stuff like that. Um, Jeremy and I did some stuff, and we put some bloopers on there. They're pretty funny, but I'm going to be doing more of that later. But I've done a lot of video work, and the beautiful thing about video is you can just hit the rewind button and just play it over. You can hit replay, 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 replay. You can watch that video as many times as you want. How many of you will be honest? Raise your hands. I've watched the same video more than one time of anything. Right? Yeah, see? The problem with us is that it ain't cat videos we're replaying up here. I think some of the funniest videos I've ever seen are... are I never knew that cats were terrified of cucumbers. That's hilarious. These people sneak up behind their cat, just lay a cucumber on the ground. The cat sit there and turn around They jump this high at a cucumber. What in nature resembles a cucumber except a cucumber? And why are cats afraid of cucumbers? I don't understand. But what's going on and what we're replaying up here are not cat videos. They're the videos of people making us feel stupid, making us feel unwanted making us feel ugly, making us feel rejected, wounding us, hurting us, saying things about us that we don't like. Those are the things we replay. I talk to people a lot. Most people don't go through their lives replaying the Grand Slam home run that they hit that won the game on the All-Star game of their little league team. They don't replay that one. They replay the one like me at youth camp. I just did a boneheaded thing. I was at youth camp. I had some little girlfriends around my hometown, but I mean, they were just hometown girls. I went to youth camp for the first time and I saw this blonde chick and I thought, wow, she's amazing. It might have been Pastor Donna Younger, I don't know. I was starstruck. I thought, I'm gonna ask her to the banquet. Do y'all still have the banquet? Nope, good. It's an opportunity for young men to get their heart shattered. It's a brutal introduction to social games. <laughs> I had a Mountain Dew. Back then, I loved Mountain Dew. Had a cup of Mountain Dew. I walked up to this girl, and I said, hi. And she said, hi. And I just didn't pay attention to what I was doing, and gradually I let the cup <laughs> tilt forward, and I poured her shoe full of Mountain Dew. My first impression. She said, you idiot. And I was like, oh, I'm an idiot. <laughs> oh, you idiot, my kangaroo. You know, everywhere you go. Sometimes I replay that one. Sometimes we replay the things that embarrassed us. Sometimes I force Pastor Donna to replay the fishing incident. How many of y'all have heard about Pastor Donna's fishing incident? How many of y'all don't know what I'm talking about? Oh, boy. This wasn't even in my notes. Were we married when this happened? We had... see when you get older you can't remember stuff um we hadn't been married long and my dad had a 17 foot glass drawn boat and it had it was ability not to go offshore but to go out close to offshore so we went out to a place called north inlet off the coast of south carolina where the north santee river pours out pretty much into the ocean and we were out there fishing together it was me my dad my mom and pastor donna And dad always stood. We had a walk-through windshield. He always stood in the middle of the boat to fish. That's just where he stood. I sat in the front all my life, and the women sat in the back because, really, the back of the boat was the best place to fish. So we were giving them the best opportunity. So the front of the boat was the worst place to fish because it just was. So we're sitting out there, and all of a sudden I look off to the right. I'll never forget it. There was a school of fish out of the water this high just churning and probably about four times as big as this sanctuary and i knew what they were i said daddy look there's bluefish he looked and said get in the anchors we pulled in the anchors he said everybody find a a lure that's white or red or both and tie it on so i'm tying on mirror lures and rapalas anything i can find that's white and red we zip over there and start casting and immediately we start catching about five pound bluefish now, if you don't know anything about a bluefish, let me just tell you that at some time in the past, God decided to interbreed a fish with a chihuahua, a pit bull, and a wolverine. And that's a, that's a bluefish. If bluefish were the, were the size of great white sharks, we would all have already been eaten, all right? But bluefish, uh, they have teeth that fit together like scissors. And they're razor, you just touch them and you're bleeding. I mean, they're razor sharp. So they fit together like this. So when they bite you, and I'm not exaggerating about this, if they bite you, it's like you took an ice cream scoop and sharpened the edge of it and just scooped out the whole piece of meat. They just bring a whole piece of meat out when they bite you. So you got to be careful. To finger your finger, it's gone. You don't lip a bluefish. You only do it once. (laughs) Okay. So they're, they're mean. We caught 125 of them in probably less than an hour. That's how furious they were biting. Pastor Donna never caught a fish, I don't think. So she throws out there and she pulls in a, a big five pound bluefish and she, oh, oh, and she's just jumping up and down and dancing. Of course, I'm in the front of the boat going, wow, I just love her. She's beautiful. So she winds the fish in and she picks it up out of the water and she's holding it up and it's about six feet of line on there. She says, I got him, I got him, I got him. And he's, she's fishing with a mirror lure that's got three sets of treble hooks on it. That's nine hooks. And I said, Put him in the boat. Well, I, I, I thought, put him in the boat. Not her. She goes, Wonder Woman. I see this fish flying through the air at about 40 miles an hour. My dad's looking at me, the fish and the lure and all go, right in the back of his head. The hook's burying his scalp and the fish decides, I'm going to eat his head. So daddy grabs the lure. and I grab the fish. Donna starts screaming and my mama starts praying in tongues. And this fish is trying to eat my father's ear. And Daddy's sitting there, and he's like, ah. He's like, oh. I said, Daddy, what do you want me to do? He said, cut the fish's head off. Well, well, he's kind of turned where they can't really see what's going on, so I pull this knife out, you know, and I start sawing. Now, blood goes everywhere down the front, and Donna's going, ah. She sees this. Ah! Oh, she's going to jump in the ocean, commit suicide right here. Mama starts doing the Holy Ghost dance right about then, you know. The good news is it, it worked out okay. I killed the fish. It didn't bite my daddy. I got the hooks out. Didn't even have to leave the ocean or go home. We still fished and caught 125 more fish because I think that was the first one we caught. So we caught 124 more whatever it was. And they didn't, they didn't tell me, okay, you got to get rid of that stupid chick. You know, you can't do that. So see, they, my dad forgave Pastor Donna, and she was welcomed into the family. He never, he never uh, exercised any kind of tax on her other than a good joke once in a while. When Pastor Donna thinks fishing, she probably has to do warfare to keep that image out of her mind, you know. That's the nature of us. We replay the bad things. We need to start focusing on the good things. We need to stop letting life damage us over and over and over again. We need to decide today, I'm going to stop beating myself up for my past failures because I don't have a time machine. I can't go back into the past. I can't change it. I can't do anything to fix it. All I can do is learn from it. Thank God I'm still alive. Move forward and don't make the same mistakes again. What does the Bible say? The Bible says the steps of a righteous person are ordered by the Lord. The Bible says the Lord gives us hope and a future. The Bible says that he'll be with us through the valley of the shadow of death. The Bible says that the Lord is our strong tower. He is our strong right arm. It says that no weapon formed against us will prosper. You don't have to live in the failures of your past. You don't have to replay the tape over and over and beat yourself down. You can be free from all these things through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Go on. If you're going to clap, clap now. This next one is something I don't think a lot of people really understand. I think we know it in our head, but we don't really realize the power of it. And that is, forgiveness is a choice we have the power to make. God is not going to forgive people for you. Forgiveness is something that we have to do. A lot of these people in our world and in our culture have grown up giving all the glory to God. That also sometimes in people's minds leaches over to assigning all responsibility to God. Well, Lord, if you really want me to forgive them, then just take these memories out of my mind. That's not the way this works. Like the commercial with the women on Facebook, it's not the way any of this works. We can't, we can't give God these ultimatums. Lord, if you want me to forgive them, then, then you know, let me, let me find a cat and let that cat speak in tongues. And let him say these words, you know. We don't give God these hoops to jump through. We operate on biblical principle. And the biblical principle says, forgive as God forgave you. He didn't say, ask me to forgive them on your behalf. God has already positionally and potentially forgiven every human being anyway through the blood of Jesus Christ. All that's necessary is their repentance. So why are we wanting God to do something he's really in potential already done? We have to forgive the wounds that have come our way just as surely as God forgave us when we wounded him. The next thing is forgiveness brings healing, peace, and releases us from the grip of the past. If you have wounds and hurts in your heart and you want to be healed, and I know a lot of people struggle with issues of anger and bitterness and disappointment and unforgiveness, and a lot of people need inner healing. They really do. I'm going to tell you something, and this is one of my undeniable truths of life. Inner healing begins with forgiveness. If you don't choose to forgive the people who have hurt you in your life, you will never be healed in your heart. Let me stop here. Let me say one more thing. You have to be mature enough to differentiate between legitimate wounds and things that you think are legitimate wounds that are not. If you're a young person and you live like a pig with a broken leg and your room looks like the Tasmanian devil doing his laundry went through it, for your parents to scold you for not cleaning your room is not something that you can be bitter about. That's something all of us ought to do. I don't hear anybody saying amen. What is wrong with you parents in here? But your parents to ask you to cut the grass or help with the dishes or vacuum the floor or anything is not punishment. It's not abuse. It's not wounds. That's called responsibility. And you don't have to be unforgiven or forgive or anything for that. You just have to, you just need to clean the house. And no, they're not taking advantage of you. I heard somebody say that one time i'd help you cut the grass but i just i just don't want my dad to take advantage of me I'm like you live in his house free you eat his food he buys you a cell phone take advantage i don't want to take advantage of him lay hands on you it's just for a fact mind you forgiveness brings healing if we want to be healed we got to forgive You'll never start the process of healing until you start to forgive. Now listen, here's the thing. Everybody feels like their wound is something that no other human being understands. And you know what? You're exactly right. Let's just go ahead and say it. You're right. None of us in here understand your hurt like you understand it. On the other side of that coin, you don't understand any of our hurt like we understand it. Because you're not the only one who's been hurt. Every person in here has been hurt by life, by people, by circumstance, by our own fears, by our own failures. So all of us have wounds that no one else really understands. That's just the way of life. But that's not the solution. There's no answer in any of that. The solution is forgiveness. Now, I want to show you this because the Lord showed me this some years ago, and it is to me one of the most powerful illustrations I've ever seen. It's so simple, but it's very powerful. And it's about forgiveness and getting over the wounds of our past. I got a bag here that represents baggage. This bag is a 33-gallon garbage bag. And that's what most of your unforgiveness issues need to be put in, the garbage. What is in this bag, Pastor? It doesn't matter. And that's what a lot of people don't realize. It doesn't matter what's in this bag. Yeah, but you don't understand. No, you don't either. It doesn't matter what's in the bag. But I was molested as a child. So were millions of other little girls all over the world. So were millions of other little boys all over the world happening today while we talk right here in foreign countries. Some, somewhere, some, somehow, somewhere on this, and I hate to even say these words. It makes me nauseated. But probably somewhere on the earth, right this very moment, there's some innocent little child being molested my husband left me, my wife cheated on me, my, my child died at six years of age, and I loved them with all my heart. It doesn't matter what's in this bag, it's all painful. It hurts. What matters is that whatever's in this bag, I'm carrying it around. That is what matters. So here's the point to this illustration. If it's not in if it's not important what's in the bag, in other words, it's not important what wound it is or what we've been through or the experience we've had, if that's not the issue, if it doesn't matter what's in the bag, then what is the issue, Pastor? I'll tell you what the issue is. It's this. It's the rope that ties us to the bag. And this rope is unforgiveness. If you can sever this rope, you can be free from the weight of what's in the bag. If you can sever this rope, you can be free from the pain that dragging this around is causing you. And I'm going to tell you, it is costing you, and it is causing you to be less than you could. This bag will keep you from reaching your full potential. Usain Bolt, as fast as he is, if I tied this bag to him and said, you can never run another race unless you carry this bag with you, as dominant and as fast as Usain Bolt is, Chances are he would never win another race with this bag tied to him. I still couldn't outrun him, but, he, but he, would, he would never win another race at the Olympic level carrying this bag. The weights we carry inside us will keep us from running the race God marked out for us. That's right. That's right. And listen, I'm not, listen, this is important. I'm not saying that your wound is illegitimate. I'm talking about wounds that should have never happened to us. I'm talking about hurts we should, have never been, we should have never experienced. I'm talking about stuff people did to us, and those people knew better. I'm talking about real, legitimate, in a court of law, they'd be found guilty, you'd prevail, and the judge would, would find them and make them pay you. I'm talking about real, legitimate hurts. That's the, those, are the, those are the things that do the most damage. I'm not talking about some imagined illegitimate thing. Maybe. You know, you did something wrong in church and you get disciplined and now your feelings are hurt. That's not a legitimate wound. That's discipline. That's love acting in your behalf. But if somebody to cheat you out of a business and ruin your credit and destroy you, and make you go bankrupt. Some preacher to lie to you and take advantage of you somehow. Some uncle to do something horrible to one of your kids. All those things are legitimate wounds. I'm not talking about petty, illegitimate stuff because we're supposed to forgive others just like God forgave us. And all the stuff we sinned against God, they're every one legitimate sins, legitimate wounds in the heart of our Lord. The kicker is, as long as this cord is attached to this bag and as long as this cord is attached to my wrist, I am going to drag this bag around. I'm going to drag this bag around with me, and I'm going to toxify because none of these bags are sealed. They all leak. And you know what they leak? They leak toxic sludge. And everybody I come in contact with is going to have toxic sludge on them. Every person. There's nothing nasty in here now. You can relax. Every person is going to have toxic sludge on them. Everybody I come in contact with, I'm going to toxify their life. This garbage juice is going to come out of this thing on them, isn't that terrible? You go to take the garbage out, and the juice drips between your toes. Oh, that's nasty! Garbage juice, don't you love it? Garbage juice. We lived in we lived in New Mexico for pastored out there for about a little less than five years, and if you've ever been to New Mexico, it's a beautiful state in its own way, and They have these chili ristras. They hang these just long pods of red and green, mostly red chilies, and the air is so dry out there, they just hang them up, and the the chilies just dry out. Y'all ever seen those? They make them in wreaths, you know? It's a big deal in New Mexico right after the chili harvest. They harvest the chilies and they're fresh and then they hang them up and out in the sun and they just dry. When you buy them in the store, they're real dry and flaky and crispy. That's because they just dry it in the sun usually in, in New Mexico and they become decorations. A lot of people don't even eat them. They just decorate the house with them. Go by and you see these chili ristras everywhere. Pastor Don and I thought, man, how cool would it be to bring a chili ristra home to her dad? So we bought a chili ristra. We just didn't think Uh, They were fresh chilies. They hadn't dried yet. And we didn't think the air in Atlanta is filled with humidity, not like New Mexico where it's like 12% is a high humidity day out there, you know. So we brought the chili rooster and they hung it up over the sink in the kitchen. A couple of weeks later, we went by, and one of Cecil's friends came and said, Roland, come over here. Let me show you this. I walked over there, and on the sink. There's a little maggot on the sink. He says, we keep finding these maggots in there, and their house is spotless, pristine. We keep finding these maggots in the house. Where do you think they're coming from? I looked around. I thought, I thought I don't know. And I looked up, and there was a chili reester. I thought, when I looked in one of the chilies. There's a little hole in the bottom of it. The whole chili reester had maggots in it. And it's, it's our fault, you know. That's kind of like this bag. We don't realize we're filling our own lives With maggots. I know that's harsh. I know it's not appetizing. But it serves to prove the point. We got to get rid of this. But the only way to do it. Is to get rid of this. Because this is the real problem. Because see that as bad as that is. If I take this off. And I walk away. That can sit there and rot. For the next 500 years. If I'm free. I get to walk away. Forgiveness brings healing, peace, and releases us from the grip of the past. I want to close with this. and Drew, if you'll come play softly on the guitar. We also need to accept God's forgiveness of us. I know a lot of people live life and they think, Man, the stuff I've done is so bad. The stuff I've done is so hideous. And even if nobody knows about it, the things I've fought and felt in my heart are so wicked, God could never really forgive me. But I've got news for you. That's not true. And I want to read you a verse that's going to seal the deal for you. Romans 8, 1. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. What a powerful verse. What a powerful verse. So we've covered all these things today. We've talked about that God is the greatest example of forgiveness. He forgave us. We need to forgive others. We've talked about how unforgiveness actually empowers those who've hurt us to continue to do so. We've talked about about forgiveness being a choice we have power to make, and God's not going to do it for us. We talked about forgiving, bringing healing, and I showed you this toxic bag full of stuff and the unforgiveness that ties us to it, and we talked about accepting our own forgiveness from God. Now, I need about nine people to come up to the stage. I'm not going to make you do anything. I just need nine volunteers. All I want you to do is stand here. Come on. I need more. Come on. Nine. Come on. Doesn't matter who you are. Just come on up. All right. You stand there. You stand there. You stand right here. Yeah, right here. Right there. You stand here, Big John, right in front of him. You stand here, right here, right in front of him. I need about four more people. You come stand right here. I need three more people. There you go. Come on, ladies. All right. Y'all step forward a little bit. There you go. All right, step back a little bit. Girls, I want y'all to come stand here, and I want you to stand right here, over here, right here, right there, right there. Give me one more person to make this look real. One more person. Come on. Stand right there. Now, what this is going to symbolize is a jail cell. We have a symbolic jail cell here. And I am in the middle of it. I'm walled in on all sides. I've got walls here, walls here, a wall behind me. And this is the door. These four people represent the front door. Okay. I've been in this jail cell for years let's say that a judge comes along Thomas you mind coming up here and being the judge just stand right there. Right, just get up there and stand right there now you come here with the key he's the jailer he comes here with the key and he unlocks this door now you guys all at once swing like you would a door out, out, out this way there you go perfect stay right there so now I'm in a jail cell but the judge has sent the jailer to unlock the door and the door is open. Am I free? Some of you said yes, some of you said no. Am I positionally free? But am I free? What needs to happen? I need to walk out. Now, Thomas, I want you to go down there and unlock the back door of the prison. The front gate, not the back door. Unlock the front gate. Thomas is going now to unlock the front gate of the prison. He unlocks it. There's, there's Terry. He's the guard. They, they got the front gate of the prison open right there. All right? Am I free? Not yet. What's got to happen? I got to walk out. A lot of people in this situation back up in this cell, cross their arms on their chest and say, yeah, I know all that. I'm just not ready to walk out yet. I don't know one prisoner in the United States, not one, that if you came to his prison... And said, hey, you got released today, and we're setting you free. And you open the door, and you open the door to the front of the prison. I don't know one prisoner anywhere in the country that would stay in the cell. They would all walk out. But even though we've been forgiven, we've been set free, Jesus has paid the price for our healing. A lot of times we choose to just stay here. I could spend the rest of my life in this cell and die here the whole time being positionally free But until I decide, until I choose to walk out, until I choose to leave the past in the past, until I choose to take steps to walk out of the entire prison of bondage, walk out the front gates, wave goodbye to the guards, and walk out into the freedom of the sunlight, until I actually take those steps, I am still in bondage. I give these guys a round of appreciation. Y'all can go return to your seats. Thank you so much. Now, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Because it's not enough to talk about these things. We need to pray about these things. If you're here today and this message has touched you, And you know that there's something in your life about which you have unforgiveness in your heart. It just is there. You may have tried to not think about it. Well, if I don't think about it, it won't be there. You've got to to think about it enough that you get healed from it. You've got to think about it enough to let God take it from you. You've got to think about it enough to repent from it. You've got to think about it enough to let God break the bondage that holds you. If you're here and there's unforgiveness, now listen, you can stay in that cell as long as you want you can nurse your wounds and and feel justified in in being hurt and wounded as long as you choose to but you'll never be free until you take this step and I don't care who you are it doesn't matter to me if you're 90 years old or you're 9 years old you know what unforgiveness is all of us the more mature and the closer we come to God the more we recognize the need to be honest about our own situation and our own walk with God our own hearts if you're here today And there's unforgiveness, there's bitterness, there's anger in your soul. When I count to three, I want you with a kind of honesty and courage maybe you've never experienced before to just lift your eyes and look at me. One, two, three. Lift them up. I see eyes going up all over this church. Praise God for you. Praise God for your honesty. Praise God for you. Praise God for you and you. Praise God for your honesty. It takes courage to do this. Now, I'm going to ask each one of you that lifted your eyes. Well, let's first of all, let's just everybody in the house stand to our feet. Everybody, let's just stand. And if you were one of those who lifted your eyes and you looked at me, I'm going to ask you to step out of your seat and just come stand right across the front because we want to pray with you. And we want to see God heal your heart. We're not trying to sign you up for anything. We're not going to do anything weird to you. We're just going to pray. And we're going to believe. My, my, my. All the wounded hearts among us. You know what the Bible says about this? It says to bear one another's burdens. Could I ask you guys to come on up forward and make a straight line up here? Just make a line all the way across. Thank you. There you go. There you go. Now, Bible says, bear one another's burdens and so uh, uphold and fulfill the the law of God. Do we love these folks? Do we care about them? I'm going to ask everybody who will to come out of your seats and let's gather around these guys and we're just going to pray for God to heal their hearts. And as we pray, the understanding needs to be that you need to forgive. This is something that you need to do. What does that mean, Pastor? It means you have to just let it go. Does it mean I have to go back and and, and be involved in a relationship with those people again? No, it does not. Forgiveness and restoration are not the same thing. You don't have to be restored to relationship necessarily, but you do have to forgive. Heavenly Father, as these beautiful people standing in front of me today have shown such incredible courage and such transparent honesty coming to the front of this church and deciding, you know what? I am done with this. I want to walk out of this prison of bondage. I want to cut this cord of unforgiveness. I want to be done with the wounds and the hurts of my past. I don't want to be bitter. I don't want to be angry anymore. I pray that right now, this very moment, they would choose to forgive every single person who has hurt them the deepest, most jagged-edged wounds of their lives. The most personal, intimate kinds of disappointments and hurts and wounds and attacks that they've experienced. Maybe, maybe it's none of their fault whatsoever. Irrespective of all the whys and wherefores, there's anger and there's bitterness and there's unforgiveness, and we've got to work our way through that. Holy Spirit, I ask you right now to touch each person and as we choose to forgive, and it's just a choice we make, we choose to forgive the same way, O oh Lord, You forgave us when we were guilty, when we had no recourse, when we deserved to be punished. Maybe the people that hurt us deserve to be in prison. Maybe they deserve to be dead, we think. Maybe they deserve some kind of punishment. Lord, that's not our place. It's Your place to be God. It's Your place to avenge. Help us to forgive right now. We choose to forgive. We choose, oh God, to forgive. We choose, oh God, to be free, to walk out of the bondage of anger and bitterness. We choose, O God, to forgive every wound, every wrong. We choose, oh God, to let the past be buried in the past, to let the wounds and the hurts of yesterday be gone, to let the disappointments in our own self fade into the yesterdays, fade into the sunset of our past. And we choose from this day forward to be cut, to be severed from that bag full of toxic memory, toxic baggage. It's breakout day, Lord. It's breakout day. And we choose to break out. We choose to break free. It's not enough for us to be free Americans or free citizens. We've got to be free people. We've got to be free humans who understand the liberty. The Bible says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Your word says whom the Son sets free is free indeed. We proclaim freedom for the captive and liberty for those in bondage. Hallelujah be to God. Lord, right now we choose to forgive. We choose to extend mercy and grace. We choose to let the past go. We choose to forgive others just as Christ died and forgave us. Lord, let there be less of us and more of You. We choose, O God, to forgive the hurts, the rejection, the disappointments, the misunderstandings, the wounds, the harsh words, the neglect. We choose, O God, to forgive it all and to find our rest, to find our healing, to find our solace in Your presence, O God, to let You wrap Your arms of love around us with You. Who else do we need, O God? With your love, how can we feel alone? With your grace, how could we ever feel destitute? With your mercy, how could we ever feel less than? With your freedom, how could we ever feel that we're bound? In the name of Jesus, as we forgive, I speak healing to start flowing into the hearts of these people right now. We say that your healing, O God, not ours, yours begins to flow into their lives right now. Healing of the deepest, oldest, most infected wounds of their lives. It begins to flow right now in and through them. Forgiveness of themselves. Forgiveness of sins, mistakes, misjudgments, accidents, whatever it might be. We have to accept that the forgiveness of Jesus Christ is good enough for us. We cannot superimpose our own guilt over the blood of Christ. The cross is enough. We revel in it. And we choose today to walk out of this church healed, set free, liberated, broken out, and whole. We pray this and we act on it in our hearts. In the mighty name of Jesus. Now I want you to say these words after me. Everybody at the altar, everybody at the house, say these words after me. I choose this very moment to forgive everyone. For everything hurtful, harmful, damaging that I've ever experienced, I choose to forgive them just as God, through Jesus, forgave me. I will not drag this baggage around with me for one more minute. From this moment, I walk in freedom because I have forgiven them. Furthermore, I accept God's grace and His forgiveness of me. I will not feel guilty, less than, inferior, and wrong anymore because whom the sun sets free is free indeed.